Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. I hope this morning that that really can be the song of your heart, that the Lord is wonderful. We looked at that word last week, filled with wonder to marvel at the Lord. And uh, man, there are so many reasons that we marvel at God. And this morning, we're going to continue our study, Isaiah chapter 9. So take your Bible, if you would, and Isaiah chapter 9. We will be there in just a minute. As we get started today, I wonder if you've ever had someone give you advice or they gave you counsel and you wish you would have listened to them. Can you think of that situation Maybe it was a relationship advice that someone gave you that you were too proud to receive, or maybe, uh, maybe it was financial advice someone gave you that you wish you would have listened to. This morning, I, right now, I have some advice that if you don't listen to this, you will regret it, all right? It's, it's advice to us from children. So I'm going to give it to you, and you might want to get a pin out, these little nuggets of wisdom, they're, they're going to help you, you're going to change your life. So Here's the first one. Don't ever say the last one is the rotten egg unless you're absolutely sure that there's a slow kid behind you. Don't ever say that. Number two, don't ever let your mom brush your hair when she's been in a fight with your dad. Don't do that. Number three, and this is, Dennis, this is from us the other day driving. Uh, Wear a hat or an umbrella when you go under birds. (laughs) Number four, when your dad is mad and asks you the question, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. That doesn't help. And the last one that I think is good, especially around Christmas time, is uh, if if you want something expensive, ask your grandparents. You know, you, uh, those, of course, comical jokes from kids, you can look up advice from children. We all have those situations in life when we wish we would have listened to advice or counsel that was given from someone. But can you think of some situations in life when someone gave you advice and you're actually glad that you listened to them? Like they gave you some wisdom, they gave you some counsel, and you're thankful you listened to them. 21 years ago, I was given some counsel by my father and a few very close friends at the time. Here was the advice they gave me that I am extremely glad I listened to. Dennis, don't let her go. And I'm glad I listened to that because... Now I've been with Hannah almost 20, we just passed 21 years of being together and our our marriage, uh, let's see, our anniversary's coming up in May, it'll be 20 years of being married. You know what? I'm thankful that I listened to the advice. As a matter of fact, you can ask my wife. My dad was trying to hook us up from when we were like kids. Like he showed her a little wallet picture and he's like, hey, I have a son, he's single. When we were teenagers, he would go to her and be like, hey, I have a son, he may not be single, but he can be. Man, I'm glad that I listened to that advice. Maybe you have, you have those people. You have people in your life that you go to for advice, for counsel. And this morning, what I would like us to do as we continue our study of the names of Jesus, 
we're going to discover the fact the Bible says that his name is Counselor. And while you may have people that you go to for advice, there should be one person whose voice speaks louder into your life than any other voice, any other advisor, and that is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We come back to Isaiah chapter number nine. Before we get there, remember with me that Isaiah is writing to the people of Judah, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. They're about to go into captivity, if you can recall. We, we went over this a little bit last week, but Isaiah is writing to them like, hey, judgment is coming and Babylon is going to come conquer you. And he summarizes it, Isaiah eight twenty two. He says, it is gonna be defined as darkness. Man, you are gonna be in a situation that is hopeless. Uh, he says it's gonna be dimness and anguish in the hearts of all the people that go through this time. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a discouraging time to go through, uh, a discouraging season to go through. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a season that seemed hopeless. Maybe you've been in a season that seemed like darkness. No doubt you can think of those times. Can I tell you that with God, listen, with God, Isaiah chapter nine and verse number one says this, nevertheless. Well, nevertheless what? Well, if you go to Isaiah chapter nine, verse number one, nevertheless, there is hope. Can I tell you this morning, no matter what your situation is, no matter what circumstance you face, no matter what challenges you have in life, with God, there's always hope. You are never hopeless with God. Isaiah, though, he goes and he says, hey, children of Israel, though you are going into a hopeless season, there is hope and he has a name. And then he proceeds to tell them what his name is. So I want us to go to Isaiah chapter nine and let's just stand together for just a minute. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and verse seven. We're gonna read two verses, Isaiah chapter nine, Verse six and seven, the word of God says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Hey, Israel, you are in a hopeless time, but hope is coming. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor. Today, last, last week, we looked at the fact that his name is wonderful. And we asked, why is his name wonderful? And we learned a few reasons from scripture as to why we marvel at the name of Jesus. Today, his name is Counselor. Why? Why is that name given? And what hope can that bring to our life in our times of darkness? Let's pray and then we'll jump in and answer those questions. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning. And God, I pray that as we go through the passage today, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to hear from you. Help us, Lord, to receive what you have for us. I pray, God, for every single, one, every single person in here today, Lord, that you would help us to take your word, and Father, that you would apply it into our lives. And Lord, we just come before you and commit this time to you, 
And Lord, we're thankful for what you're going to do. And we ask you again, just work in each of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. In order to really understand why his name is Counselor and how that brings us hope, we have to define the name Counselor. In this passage, the name Counselor means to advise, to deliberate or resolve, or to guide. To advise, to deliberate or resolve, or to guide. So literally, the name of Jesus presented to us, who he is to you, is an advisor, Who he is to you is like a jury. If you go and you go to trial, a jury is going to hear all of the elements of the case, and then they're going to deliberate and come back with resolve, with an answer for you. Uh, What God is in your life is he desires to be a guide. But here's my question today. What qualifies him to be a counselor? What qualifies him to advise, to deliberate, to guide? What, what qualifies him for that? Why is his name Counselor? I see first of, first of all today that his name is Counselor because number one of his authority, his authority. I have on my notes his authority, this truth is he is over it all. God is over it all. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's over it all. The authority that Jesus has is described in our passage. We saw it there in Isaiah chapter number seven when it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That phrase, he is over it all. There is no ruler, there is no authority above him. This was given to Mary when the announcement was given to her that she would have a son. Notice what was said, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor, grace with God, and behold... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And notice, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. To you and I, and again, I recognize it's a Sunday morning. We come to church. We kind of like, well, pastor, I'm here because I know I know that God is the authority. When you and I read maybe a Luke chapter one or we read some things in the Old Testament, a lot of times some of the, um, some of the most outstanding, substantial truths that are there don't jump off the page to us because we may not understand culture. We may not understand the context. Well, to the Hebrew reader and to the Hebrew worshiper, Mary, when it was told to her, the phrase, he shall reign, the phrase, uh, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. She would know immediately that would connect to kingship. He is going to be the highest authority, but the phrase he shall reign would connect with the kings of Israel that have descendants have come from that have ruled in the past. So that's why when you look that he shall reign, it says and unto him, the throne of his father, David, here's what Mary would understand. The king was the authority over everything, but this is super cool. The king for the people of Israel was seen as the highest advisor or counselor for the people. 
The position of king wasn't just ruler. The position of king was, I will counsel you. I will guide you. That's why when you look at um, the children of Israel in the Old Testament, when they were calling for a king, when they didn't have a king, and, and they went to Samuel and said, give us a king. And Samuel said, why do you want a king? Isn't the Lord good enough to advise you and to counsel you? And the people said, we want to be like every other kingdom. We want a king that is the highest authority or the highest counselor in our life. So here's what is given to Mary. You're going to have a son. He is going to be the highest authority, the highest reigning one. And he is going to be the only one that with true authority, can counsel or speak into your life and the life of his people. When we read about Jesus Christ, what we have to understand is that his kingship and his authority gives him reason to be the greatest counsel in our life. Micah wrote it this way. Why dost thou cry out loud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? Written to Israel about God. Hey, Don't you know that you still have a king and he is still able to offer you counsel? You know, this morning, his name is counselor because of his authority, his control. Uh, We say it often at church, but I think I I need it. That nothing in your life will ever take God by surprise because he is the authority over it all. He knows And he is able to counsel you and I because he has complete authority and complete knowledge of every situation. And while he is king of kings and lord of lords and nothing causes him alarm, we have to understand that when Jesus Christ was given, hey, there is hope coming and his name is counselor. Well, why is his name counselor? Because he is over it all. He is the final authority. But I noticed secondly this morning that not only is he a counselor because of his authority, but he's counselor because of his wisdom. You see, not only is he over it all, but he knows it all. And it's not like, oh, you're a know-it-all, like an arrogant statement. No, like God literally, he is wisdom. He knows everything that is ever going to be in our life. Not only is he over it, but he knows it. And his authority, I love this statement, the authority of Jesus Christ is accompanied by infinite wisdom. What does that mean? He has wisdom that never stops. In Isaiah chapter nine and verse seven, it says of the increase of his government and the peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice. So here's coming this king who's going to set up and be the complete authority, but he's going to establish the kingdom with complete order, complete judgment, complete justice. The phrase order it, it means to establish and to set up in perfection. He can only set the kingdoms of the world up in perfection because he has all wisdom. You know what we like to do? We like to play the politics game. In our country and uh, other nations around the world, the politics game is, well, listen, the only right answer is with my political party. The only right answer is with my presidential candidate. The only right answer is with my group. But how many of you realize by now that like government and leaders fail sometimes? Man, they let us down and make decisions that we're like, well, that's not what I was thinking. 
They don't have all wisdom, but you have a God that has all wisdom. As a matter of fact, the Proverbs says it this way, there is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. What does that mean? There is no wisdom that can stand against or compare to or prevail over the wisdom of the Lord. Daniel said it this way in Daniel 2.20, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. That means wisdom and strength belong completely to him. Proverbs 2.6, the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. I have a question you ever had somebody come to you and ask you for advice or counsel and you had no clue what to say? I mean, they like come, they're like, hey, I got a question, I got this. And so you, you make up an answer. Be honest. Well, wait, I won't have you raise your hand. We've all done that. Pastor, you've done that? I'm sorry to say it, but yes. People have come, I remember early on, I really try not to do it now, but I remember early as a pastor, I thought I had to have, uh, I thought I had to have every, every answer. I really did. I thought that if people came to me, I had to be the know-it-all, the answer man. Well, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know it. And I remember people would come to me, they'd ask a question, and, and I'd, in the back of my brain, I'm going, I got no clue. Like, I have no idea what to tell you. But I go, well... You know, if we were to think about this and were to really talk about this, then I suggest that you and I'd try to come up and with this great eloquent answer. And afterwards, I would think, that was the dumbest thing in the world. Why would I say that? Can I tell you this morning that the Lord never makes up an answer for you? You never can bring a situation to God and he goes, well, um, you know, I... Uh, why? Because every time the Lord speaks, out of his mouth flows complete wisdom, complete knowledge, complete understanding. I love how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20. He says, the wisdom of this world, the wisdom that this world has to offer, it's foolishness with God. The wisest people of this world their wisest thoughts, God looks at and says, it's foolishness. For it is written, he taketh, uh, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Paul wrote it this way to the believers at Rome when talking about salvation and grace and the mind of God. He says in Romans eleven thirty three and 34, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and counsel of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Hey, Jesus doesn't have to ask anybody for counsel or anybody for wisdom because he is the very definition of the word wisdom. So why does this matter for you and I? Well, it's because he's not only a counselor because of his authority, he's a counselor because of his wisdom. And here's what that means for you. He offers you that wisdom. James chapter one and verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives to all men liberally, bountifully, and upbraideth not. That means he doesn't pick and choose who he's gonna give it to, and it shall be given him. Hey, you need wisdom in your life? Here's what God said, just ask. Ask me for wisdom, seek my counsel. Well, God, why are you approved to be my counselor? Because you are wisdom, because he is wisdom. 
wisdom. I see this morning, not only is he qualified to be counselor because of his authority, because of his wisdom, but I also see today because of his ability. His ability, and I would say his credibility. (laughs) What do you mean by his ability and credibility, pastor? Well, here's the thought. He can work through everything and he can be trusted with everything. He is able, he is able to work in any area in your life and my life. Did you know that that was a promise that was given when he was promised to Mary? Here's what was said. The angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, the holy thing that which, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. To Matthew, it was said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, excuse me, which being interpreted is God with us. You want to know this morning why the Lord is able, why he is able to be counselor because of his deity? You see, there is nothing, there is nothing that God looks at with curiosity and wonder. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1 and 1.14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld or saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the creator of life. Therefore, he has the ability and credibility like no other. Therefore, he has the ability and credibility like no other. Proverbs says, is it this way? There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. While there are people in our lives that their advice and counsel we wish we would have listened to, there are also situations where we did listen and it wasn't good advice. There are times when I've spoken and people have listened and it wasn't good advice. Well, here's what it says about the Lord. His counsel, it shall stand. It'll remain firm. It is not gonna waver. It is not gonna topple over. The Lord's not gonna advise you in something or counsel you in something. There's not something that you will get from his word that will fail. No, it is all based upon the fact that he is God. He is able and has the ability to speak into your life. He has the ability to take any situation and make something beautiful like Romans 8 says that we know All things can work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, he's able to work and he's able to be trusted because he is God. And since he is God, here's some things we can know about his counsel. His counsel is true. It's always truth. His counsel is always right. It says in Proverbs 8.8, all the words of my mouth, wisdom speaking, they are righteous. His counsel is always pure. His counsel is always comforting. And God's counsel, it is always credible. And you say, well, pastor, I get that. Everything about his word and his counsel that he gives to us through the word of God, everything's credible. I understand that. I understand that he can be trusted. But what does that mean for me? For you and I, and we'll come back to this in just a minute. God's counsel and his wisdom and his authority into your life, his ability to speak into your life It will come to you through his word. 
And we all believe, I, I think this is on a, on a Sunday morning. I think if I ask the question, like, do you believe that, that God can speak into your life? I think everybody would say, yes. Yeah, I believe that God can speak into my life. But here's the question I wanna ask you. If we really believe that God can speak into our life, why is it that more often than not, we seek wisdom outside of God? Now, here, here's what I mean by that. I'm a parent of three teenagers. I believe that education is important. I want my kids to get a good education. So because I want them to get a good education, I do my best to help them go to school. Now, I am that one parent, like my mom was. Well, I'm probably not like that, but... What I mean by that is growing up, I would get up and say, mom, I'm tired. I don't want to go to school. And my mom would say, okay, and let me sleep in. And I loved it. And I, I do that sometimes with our kids. But you know what? Most of the time I'm like, hey, you guys get, we, you know, like, dad, I don't want to go to school. It's all right. Go to school. All right. Get your homework done. And when they go to school, I'll say, hey, make sure you're paying attention to your teachers. Hey, talk. Let's get that grade up. Hey, Dennis, graduation's right around the corner. Hey, bud, make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're getting all that work done. Well, why? Because I believe education's important. Would you agree with that? Man, you'd, you'd agree with that. Every parent in here would agree with that. The teens don't agree with that, but the parents agree with that. You know what? I am in error if I push my children toward a great, healthy education but I fail to instill in them the principles of God's word and push them toward a relationship with God. I'm in error if I push them toward, hey, do all of that extracurricular activity, do the sports, hey, be involved, be engaged. But you know, church, it's optional. Bible reading, it's optional. Time with God, nah, you know what? We don't have time for that. You know what I'm failing? I'm failing to recognize that the counsel of this world, it does not stand against the counsel of God. Parents, can I encourage you the number one thing that you should, education's great, sports are good, extracurricular activities are great, uh, families playing and having play dates and spending time together, that stuff is all important. But parents, the best investment you can make into your children's lives is the word of God and getting them around the people of God and involved in the work of God through his church. I was a youth pastor for four and a half years before we came on staff. This is many, many years ago. So if any of you have done what I'm about to say, I probably don't know it. But this drove me nuts when I was a youth pastor. This conversation. Hey, pastor, or they'd say, hey, Brother Dennis, Pastor Dennis, um, hey, listen, I'm actually not gonna let Johnny come to youth group for two weeks. And I'd say, really, why? He'd say, well, I'm, I'm grounding him. He, he's, he's been causing, causing trouble and, you know, I'm grounding him. And I'd say, from youth group? He'd say, yeah, because, you know, when he comes, he just, I mean, he's just hanging out with friends. And I, I know you have a Bible lesson and stuff like that, but, it, you know, I'm gonna ground him from that. And I would say, what about the sports that he's involved in? No, no, he's gotta be at practice. What about this? No, no, he's got to do that. But you're grounding him from church. Well, yeah. 
I mean, that's where his friends are. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, the positive influence in his life right now is the word of God at home and the word of God in the church house. And you're gonna pull one of those away. You say, Pastor Dennis, what what are you saying this morning about that? I'm just simply saying, don't, don't get out of whack in the priorities in your home. The number one investment into, into my kids, God help me make it about the word of God, the people of God and the influences of God surrounding my kids around that. Why? The best investment. I looked this morning and I asked the question, why is his name counselor? Why can he be our counselor? Well, because he has all authority, because he has all wisdom, because he has all ability. But I noticed lastly this morning, and don't miss this, he can be your counselor because of his concern. (laughs) If you had a big major decision that you had to make, I mean, I mean a huge one. Is, is a big financial decision, relationship, job, whatever. I mean, it's a big decision, literally gonna impact uh, the rest of your life and the things surrounding your life. You've gotta make that decision. Here's my question. Today, you've gotta seek counsel on it. Are you gonna walk up to someone randomly at Walmart and ask them for their advice on it? Yeah, probably not, right? You're not gonna be at the cashier checkout and you're doing things and they say, how's your day? And you go, oh, my day's crazy. I have to make this crazy decision. You know, I mean, should I, should I marry them or not marry them? Should I, should, I mean, I, I, gotta, I need to ask you, cashier. I'm about to make the biggest purchase of my life. Like, should I do it or not? I'm not talking here at Walmart. Like, I mean, I'm about to buy this new house, buy this new whatever. Like, are you gonna ask somebody that you don't know? Probably not. Why? Well, duh, pastor, we don't know them. Yeah. You know, when I seek counsel, do you know who I ask? There are certain advisors in my life that I ask. I'll go to my wife, of course. I'll, I'll talk to my mom. I'll talk to my sisters. I'll talk to my father-in-law. I'll talk to close friends, even in this church. I'll talk to uh, a couple other close friends that I have. I'll give them a phone call. Do you want to know why I ask them for their advice? Three reasons. Number one, they know me. I want to talk to somebody and ask advice from somebody who knows me. Number two, number two, they care about me. If you're gonna ask advice from somebody, I wanna get advice from somebody that cares about me. And number three, I don't only wanna ask of someone who knows me and someone who cares about me, but I wanna ask somebody who's going to be blunt with me and tell me the truth. Now, there are people in our life that match two of those things. There are people that know us and people that care about us, but when you ask them advice, it's like the old adage is you find yourself in an echo chamber. What's that mean? I'm asking advice and I know they're gonna give me the answer that I wanna hear. So I'm gonna make sure to ask them. Why? Because they're always gonna be kind to me. Even if I, even if I uh, know that what I'm about to do is really, really silly, this person is gonna tell me it's okay. I don't even want advice from those people. You know who I want advice from? I want somebody who has a genuine concern about every aspect of my life. Can I just remind you this morning that When Jesus counsels, he offers counsel from a genuine heart of care and concern. He knows you better than you know yourself. 
He cares about you more than anyone has ever cared, and he promises to constantly speak truth into your life. Notice what he wrote to the people of Israel in Isaiah or in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, they are thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you an expected end, a planned out end. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse one and two. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my downsitting, my uprising, and you understand my thoughts afar off. Hey, God, I recognize that you know me more than I know myself. I think of how the author of Hebrews wrote it. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like our we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of this, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And Peter said it this way, you can cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Hey, he is concerned for us more than any other person. We can cast every concern, every anxiety, every worry, every stress. We can just set it at the Lord's feet. And when we go to pick it up again, I can remember, man, I can leave this here. Why? Because like the song used to say, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. You see, this morning he is able to be counselor in your life because he has concern. God is concerned about the direction of your life, the decisions of your life. He's concerned about your well-being. He is concerned about your spirit and your joy. He is concerned about your family. He is concerned about your interest. He is concerned about where you spend your time. He is concerned about every single aspect in your life. And because of his concern, that qualifies him to be the greatest contributor, the greatest counselor that I have in my life. We talked last week about the fact that we can marvel at him because of his love for us. And I echo that again this week. He can be your counselor because of his love for you. So here's what I want to ask you today as we think about this. As we look at culture around us, we live in a day. We live in a day where everyone is seeking counsel. I mean, right now you could Google it. What can I get counsel for? And you will find There is marriage and family counseling. There is guidance and career counseling. There is rehabilitation counseling. There is trauma counseling, mental health counseling, substance abuse counseling, educational counseling, and the list goes on and on and on. And people today, they search for wisdom. They search for answers. They search for the meaning of life. People search for solutions from their problems. They go to psychologists and psychiatrists and analysts and other professional counselors. People read books. People try everything and often still end up helpless and at loss. And this morning we open up the word of God and we find... We find this, are you looking for a counselor? Because I offer you a counselor 
and his name is Jesus. Today, Jesus offers his counsel to us specifically through his word, but also through his people and his church and most importantly, his spirit. And so here's what I want to encourage you with today. I don't want to just ask you, do you read the Bible? I don't want to just say, is God first in your life? I want to ask you this question. When you need advice and counsel, what is the first thing you do? Do you Google it? Do you call someone? Or do you find yourself going to his word saying, God, what do you have to say about this subject? You know, it'd be good for some of us this week with advice and counsel and next time some decisions come that you just don't know what to do. Here's what would be good for you and for me to do. To find ourselves alone in a room with a Bible talking to God. God, I have this situation and I need help. I need wisdom. God, I need help raising my kids and don't, don't do this. Here's, here's the old adage a long time ago was, uh, you know, if you need help, just pray and go, all right, Lord, show me. <laughs> all right, you know. And I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel. What? What does that have to do with anything? Now, you know what God said? If you will seek me, you will find me. So God, I'm dealing with my family right now. Lord, I'm struggling in my marriage and I need your help. Here's what you do. You find out, God, what does your word say about that topic, about marriage? God, I need help with my family. All right, God, what does your word say about family, about work, about finances, about relationship, about priorities? God, what does your word say? Seek his counsel. And so this week, recognizing that everyone is seeking counsel, I would ask you, will you seek the one whose name, whose name is counselor? He is able to counsel you. Why? Because he is over it all. He's the authority. He's able to counsel you because he knows it all. He is wisdom. He's able to counsel you because of his ability and his credibility, the fact that he sees it all and can be trusted in it all. And he is qualified to be counselor because of his concern, his care, and his love for you. No wonder Isaiah would write to them and say, you're going into a hopeless situation, but I'm going to give you hope because he, Jesus, is coming. He's the Messiah, and his very name is Counselor. So you may be in a hopeless situation, but you have counsel available to you through the person of Jesus Christ. He counsels on every aspect of life, but we also find in his word that he counsels about the afterlife. You know, the word of God speaks to the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. In him was no sin. He was crucified. He was buried and he rose again. And he did all of that to prove that he could forgive your sin and come into your life and save you. And we find his counsel in the word of God. His counsel is this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His counsel is this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
This morning, if you're here and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, receive the counsel of God today. Everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus desires that you would know him and spend eternity in heaven. And that's why he came. And if you're here and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you, he loves you more than anything. And he died on the cross to offer you forgiveness and a relationship with God. And if you're here today and you've, by saying, today, if you hear him, receive him. Today, if you know that you've never received him, make the decision to put your faith and your trust in him.